0: Welcome to the dark Forest, Jackie and her pals will never bore us, shameless confessions
1: about our obsessions will make us laugh and smile, so let's explore the dark Forest, and dark down for a while. Hi, Jackie Cation here. I am uh, back in that hotel, different hotel room in Minneapolis, Minnesota, by the Acme Comedy Company. And I have essentially the one comic that I didn't interview during the Acme 20, and I'm doing a show with him this week, a weird show called Crash and Burn, where you do 20 new minutes of stand up comedy. Welcome to the Dork Forest, by the way. Dorkforest.com, JackieCation.com. There's going to be new Dork Forest t shirts and possibly hooded sweatshirts, because I made some for Patrick Brady, who Fixes the audio. Mike Rickberg, who sang that song you just heard, and I'll sing again at the end. Sarah, as well, his girlfriend, got one. And Vilmos has not responded to whether or not he would like a, a hooded sweatshirt or not, but uh, or a t-shirt or any of it. Uh, but he fixes the website and has his own podcast. So those are the credits. JackieCation.com, There's a donation button. Feel free to use it. I just had two new superfans, and a superfan, of course, is someone who has donated one hundred dollars. Uh, toward the Dork forest toward new wires and 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 batteries and travel and live shows and audio guys and all that stuff cashews Darlene brought me cashews to a show the other night and uh, I uh, ate some they were great anyway uh it's gonna be a great show it's with Dwight Slade and Dwight Slade he said I don't know what I'm a dork about but I know a lot about three different people so let's begin Welcome to the program, Dwight.
0: Thank you, Jackie. It's uh, great. It's an honor to be part of the show. This I is felt, it. I felt obliged to lean into the microphone. You're leaning into. It's, it's it's 1847. Hi, Ma. Can you get me <laughs> Jackie in
1: Minneapolis? Let me tell you something. Uh, Patrick Brady has done worse situations than this. Uh, at least silent hotel room. I've done. Um, I did at the 20th anniversary, which you were at. Mm-hmm. I did at least. I think it was 15 episodes. Wow! And for some reason, you were not um, available at one of those times,
0: or something was happening. I was, yeah, I ducked out and avoided you, but... That
1: was what it was, and this time you're trapped in a crash-and-burn situation. (laughs) We're doing a show together this week uh, Mm -hmm. at the Acme Comedy Company here in Minneapolis, where we each had to perform 20 new minutes on Tuesday, and then we could work on that uh, the whole week. And uh, I said, hey, do you want to do a dork for us? And you said, I don't know what what I'm a dork about. I know, I know... The lives of three different people, very specific uh, parts of it. So let's do that, and I want to talk about the show too. But let's mm-hmm. talk about why do you know about the last twenty four hours of Elvis's life?
0: Well, uh, it it uh, it comes from an you know who Albert Goldman is he's done no. Albert Goldman has done amazing scandalous biographies, uh, but well researched on John Lennon, Lenny Bruce, oh, and. Um, and he, that's interesting. he did one on Elvis, but then the, his his book on Elvis blew up so much that he did a smaller book called Elvis's Last 24 Hours. So I got into Elvis. I was kind of into Elvis. I'm fascinated by Elvis's decline. That's
1: that's that's the thing that grants right. Not no, his rise?
0: No, nothing that has to do with the king of rock and roll or his movies or the capturing of a certain part of Americana. It's that... Or quen- the music? You know, music minor. Ma- okay. I, I don't even care about the music.
1: <laughs> it's essentially, how did he lose it all?
0: It's the decline. That is the, cl- <laughs> that is the quintessential American experience. And it's, it's purely American. That, that rise to fame and then the decline, that horrible, decrepit. I'm fascinated by that because I think that... that, that
1: how long that, did it take?
0: Oh, it took... Uh,
1: it took years. It, well, it, it? I started mean, immediate.
0: here. We go. See, okay. it started in when he went into the service, when he went into the military, and actually it started with his mom. Uh, see, we're even going back farther.
1: Why does it have to go back further? Uh, wait, I, th- well, I thought I thought when he got out of the military, he did all of his movies, didn't he?
0: Yes, he did. But but when he first of all, his mom had problems with uh, not problems. When when he was a kid, he he uh, she didn't have problems with popping pills, but she would pop pills. Then when he got into the service, he had an overnight watch duty in which he had to oh. go out. Because he was a soldier. Right. And so he was assigned. There was no discriminatory or Elvis Presley, so you get a free pass. He was, Oh, he so had, he
1: was on guard duty at night? Yes, at night. And that somehow, he was like, well, I'm going to have to take pills for right. this?
0: And so during the day, all of his friends and entourage who were yeah. over there in Germany... Uh, oh. would party with him, and then he'd have to stay up all night. So he he got hooked in the service on uppers. Is
1: that where it happens? Yes, yes. I sort of get that, only because, of course, he had a lot of fans.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they'd be like, well, what do you mean you're going to go sleep? But uh, you're yeah, yeah. like, well, yeah, I was working all night long because I'm a soldier.
0: Right.
1: Oh, my God. All right.
0: and he, And he brought people... You know, people over from his family, so he would feel better. And in Germany, and that's where he met uh, Priscilla. Was in Germany, and okay. she was fifteen. Hello, 59. maybe even younger. I don't know if she was fourteen, uh, but he was smitten. Uh, how and old was he any better? He uh, in his mid mid twenties.
1: Okay, so like ten years yeah. older than I mean, fifteen it's, to twenty five is a huge freaking yes. Anyway. it's...
0: I mean to. You know, and so Priscilla kept coming over and so he wanted to stay awake for that. And so, <laughs> uh, yes. and I mean, you can imagine, can you imagine the the guts that Elvis had to come and sit down with this 15 year old's father who was in the military? He's a, he was a Colonel, maybe really? a general and he was like straight laced Colonel Patton type of really dude. And, and to say to her, I'm interested in your daughter, and he actually proposed, Elvis proposed, I'd like her to move to Graceland, and live in, in Graceland, sin. and go to school, finish high school in Memphis. It was just, I mean, it really, the confidence can, that Elvis yeah, must that have, look, I'm Elvis, so I want your...
1: I'm going to want your nubile yes. uh, tiny child. Right. Uh, and so, I but and he was like, "Well, I'm willing to wait until she's of age to marry her."
0: That was that was the notion was that that there's something in this for you, right? There's a little something, something here. It's that, oh that my you, god, you will be, and you know, it's a, and, and as a perfect gentleman that he was, he honored the commitment. He brought her to grace okay. and he wound up marrying her.
1: And he married her, and they had a child, I believe, didn't they? They, they have d- kids. Yeah, they
0: did. At Lisa Marie.
1: Oh, that's it. Lisa Marie, who mm-hmm. was married to Nicholas Cage, who was collecting Elvis things, right?
0: Correct, okay. including his daughter.
1: Including his daughter. That was one of the things he collected. And uh, but <laughs> so so Elvis comes out of the army when?
0: He gets out in the early sixties. I don't I don't quite remember when. Doesn't but have
1: to go to Vietnam.
0: No, no, no. He does not. This is probably pre-Vietnam. Uh,
1: Pre when everyone's going to Vietnam. I think it was just right. like like advisors and stuff. Yeah.
0: Right. Uh, And so he, uh, but he came out of the military, uh, uh, not an addict, but addicted. But the seeds were there that he needed pills to go up. And then obviously you need pills to go down. And so as he did movies and whatnot and everything was fairly stable, he was successful. When he was successful, he didn't, uh, you know, indulge in the addict. It's when he did live. It's when he started hitting the road and the colonel put him on the road. And, um,
1: and too many, too many shows, too much stuff, and right. he was just used to using it to to regulate.
0: So he, he and then by the seventies, he got into a routine, and he was doing, you know, not the greatest venues in the world.
1: Right. He sort of declined. That's when that's when I sense to yes. declining because I think the last movies were in like sixty eight, right?
0: He did in sixty nine. He did uh, Change of Habit.
1: Oh my god! And that was not one of my favorites with
0: Mary Tyler Moore.
1: Right, it was a lot of people really like that one because Mary Taylor Moore's in it, but... Uh,
0: unwatchable.
1: Almost unwatchable. Absolutely uh, There's... Unwatchable. My, my brother Russ a huge fan of the Elvis mm-hmm. Presley movie. Uh, he likes the good ones, like the ones where Elvis was trying to act. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a boxing one, there was Jailhouse Rock, there was, I think, Kid Galahad mm-hmm. and Jailhouse Rock are supposedly the good ones. And then there was one other that I can't remember the name of that was mm-hmm. like a drama. And uh, I uh, enjoyed... Um, uh, the one that's uh, I didn't mind the one where he was twins. I didn't. Uh, I was also eleven, so I didn't mind the one where he uh, was in Florida and he played a hick and he falls in love with his uh, with his foster. Wow. sister. see, so yeah,
0: this is a. I don't even know about these because I again I'm not interested. There was squatting. Uh,
1: there was <laughs> it was the American Dream was happening. Mm-hmm. It's a. I I I want to say it was called like Lover Come Back but that's a Rock Hudson Day movie. Another great film, another terrible It ter- could have
0: been a film, film that Elvis passed on. Oh, that's it could have been. You
1: know. Elvis would have been, you know, she was much too old for him, quite oh. honestly. She could have been age appropriate and that wouldn't have done. Anyway, um so so it was in like this in 69 he did the last big movie.
0: Right. But in 68 he did the Comeback special. Okay. And that was wildly successful and truly is a it's just a remarkable piece. The, the comeback Is it special. Live footage, I it, music? It was a it was a ABC tele or CBS television. I can't remember what. but it was mm-hmm. a television special, and he had not performed live in you know probably eight years. No one had seen him, and everyone thought, "Well, he's this kind of candy ass movie actor. It's making these terrible rom like coms, romantic, yeah." And he comes out in the. In the '68 comeback, especially, he comes out with a guitar and that black leather outfit.
1: Right, I remember that. And outfit. he's
0: tan and thin. Right. And every guy is going, "I want to be him," and every woman's going, "I want to be with him." It right. was like it. It was like, and it totally recharged his career because everyone remembers this is Elvis.
1: That's right.
0: And Elvis, I think that's the great thing about Elvis is Elvis knew what he was. He had a great sense of, uh, you know,
1: his own. This is what
0: I'm going to be. Like
1: his career and what it, what what he was perceived as. Yes. Okay.
0: And 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 so the colonel, who was really largely responsible for his demise, uh, put him on the road. And the colonel had no real idea of what Elvis was. He just wanted uh, the colonel just wanted to maximize his take, and he was a bad manager for Elvis, my opinion. Not that anybody's <laughs> going to come after me for that.
1: <laughs> right. I think you're taking a stand. No, I think it's uh <laughs> yeah. So it's it's hard to um, but the colonel he. Elvis was his only client, if I remember correctly, right? Yes. Like, it wasn't like the Colonel came out of nowhere and was essentially no one, and just was like, well,
0: well, he I came out of this. he came out of the circus. That's oh, okay. where his background was—the Barnum and Bailey Circus. He was a huckster. Really? And uh, there's also other details about. And
1: he talked Elvis into letting him rep him, or?
0: Well, uh, the Colonel had 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 uh, managed. Um, I'm going to say Hank Snow, or back in the 50s, uh, the colonel managed a pretty big act, a pretty big um, uh, rockabilly act. Okay. And when Sun Records, he was managing Elvis, young Elvis, right. like the 19, 20-year-old Elvis, uh, they went to the colonel and said, look, I, we can't, he's getting too big.
1: Yes. And the colonel
0: went, I can take over. <laughs> Bought his contract. and right. And to, to the colonel's credit, he did, you know, manage Elvis into superstardom.
1: Right, and then and then overbooked him and encouraged him to do the road too much, yeah. which just exacerbated sort of the addiction and all that?
0: Yes. As a side note, yeah. uh, Elvis, for a year, would drive from Memphis, Tennessee, to Shreveport, Louisiana, and do the Louisiana Hayride radio show. Okay. And it was done in the Shreveport Auditorium. And the Shreveport Auditorium uh, sort of closed in the 70s, and stayed closed and then someone opened it and refurbished it and it's exact everything is exactly as it was in the 50s and 60s when the hayride was being broadcast and you can tour it really and everything is is perfectly preserved so the 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 dressing rooms are all the the plumbing the paint everything is exactly as it was and it's the most i mean it's the most pure experience if you can walk around and you, i mean this this is the thing that, that launched incredible you know, Hank Williams did shows there. Loretta Lynn did shows there. Johnny Cash did shows there for for years. And Elvis, 20, nineteen, twenty years old, driving his car all the way from Memphis, getting out and, and every single week he would every do week
1: food. to do a radio show. Every week, okay.
0: So, so, in other words, I, that I I find those types of Americana ex, experiences where you see the budding of brilliance. I'm also attracted to that.
1: Yeah, Yeah, yeah. It is interesting to me that only in Louisiana would have been like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to find lead paint, and we're going to put it right back like it was 1954. We are going to find some asbestos, and we are going to put that back in the walls. Uh, No, but uh, yeah, I mean, I I, I went to Memphis, and I went to the Civil Rights Museum, Mm -hmm. and the Civil Rights Museum is two buildings. It is uh, a building that is a museum building, Mm -hmm. and then it is the motel where Martin Luther King was shot. And Have you been
0: the Lorraine Hotel? Yeah, the Lorraine Hotel.
1: Now I did not know, and when I first heard that, I was like, "Well, that seems tasteless." And then I showed up, and it was so powerful. It was incredibly powerful.
0: It's pretty cool. It's yeah.
1: amazing. If you go to Memphis, you should go to the Civil yeah. Rights Museum to be able, to,
0: and especially because the neighborhood, you can drive through the neighborhood and you realize, uh, you know, in that era, what the neighborhood was like. That this was a African American part of town, and yeah, to we middle up,
1: class, and it wasn't, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and, and then they put
1: the highway through and split that neighborhood, and mm-hmm. uh, as they did in many cities, because uh, they were like, "Oh, I'm sorry, black people are causing us terrorists, <laughs> and we're going to have to cut the split that neighborhood in half." So, but um, okay, so the last days, like, when did he die? I don't even know.
0: Mid-70s? August sixteenth,
1: nineteen seventy-seven. Oh, late yeah. after 75. 77?
0: Yeah, the last, the last from seventy-four to seventy-seven, things got. Weird for him. He was doing a contract in Las Vegas, and um, and he was going okay. on tour a lot. He bought an airplane. He bought a seven twenty seven.
1: Oh my god, that's w- huge!
0: Which you can go tour in Memphis.
1: Okay. And
0: it's pretty funny because there's a there's a queen size bed in the plane, in the plane. <laughs> that Elvis would often have to be placed in because he was inebriated out of his head. Right. And but it has giant seat belts to satisfy the FCC. <laughs> So I mean, it's this queen size. Right. I mean, let's crank him up, Elvis. You can just picture this giant Elvis with this queen size right. seat belt over him. That's, Very
1: job of the hut. I'm yes, so sorry. Exactly. Okay.
0: So you know, he, here Elvis arrives in the late '70s, and he's uh, he's he's starting to get onto pills again, and his mom died. Uh, I believe in the early '70s or late '60s. Okay. And um sure so some dorks over there going, "If you don't know the material, you shouldn't be talking about it." Oh
1: no, oh no! What well, they they might be yelling. who was a uh, who was, was '72, '72. <laughs> but uh, they're very supportive. The the it's very uh, they know it's a safe space the Dork Forest, and uh, Rangers very supportive. Though they know that I will also put in the notes
0: when Elvis <laughs> is found. <flying back. laughs>
1: Though the link may not work because I've been having troubles. Anyway,
0: go. <laughs> And uh, and that put him over the edge. He you know he was really attached to his, his mom, and he uh, so and that it, it, it exasperated his addiction. And he, so he was doing a cycle. He would uh, he would require more and more drugs to get up for a show, more and more drugs to come down from a show.
1: Okay.
0: I think you know there's this unspoken energy in the room that both of us are going. I understand that.
1: Yeah, we I understand do. That. I was just well, all I could think was like because I haven't been able to sleep all week, uh. and last night I was like. Okay, I'm fine. I'm going to stay up late, but I'm not going to. I didn't have to get up today. There was no press. There was nothing to do. So I'm like, I'm going to sleep until like nine, nine thirty, and go to bed. At, you know, because I I can get to sleep by like 1.30, too, but that's still two hours later than I want to be right. asleep. Yeah. And I woke up at seven o'clock in the damn morning. And uh, granted, I've gotten some laundry done. It's a fascinating story, anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I can I can get why you yes. would because. Especially this show is the because mm-hmm. regular shows are full of adrenaline and they take time to come down off of, and the show is even more so.
0: It's very true, and um, so so part of his entourage, Sunny and Red. Okay. And um, Sunny and Red are, are have been with him literally since Hughes high school in Memphis. Have been his They're high school friends. Their high school friends that, that are now part of
1: his, his his team.
0: The Memphis Mafia, yeah. You know, okay. The group that surrounded. Elvis and Sonny and Red uh, were always his dearest, best, closest allies. And they split with Elvis because of the addiction. Because they Good said, You're. you're and, and back in the 70s, there was no terminology for this. There wasn't a quote intervention. There wasn't recovery like we know it now. And so uh, Sonny and Red said, Got a book deal mm-hmm. to categorize what's happening to Elvis. Right. They got a huge amount of money. They wrote this book. And it was a tell all scandalous story, but very accurate.
1: Right. They weren't lying. Right. And it came out what, in the mid seventies? Well, it
0: wasn't scheduled to come out. It was scheduled to come out. Elvis got wind of it, and he was terrified because uh Lisa Marie's daughter was nine, ten years old, and he didn't want his daughter to suddenly see in the Globe and the National Enquirer that Elvis right. was a drug addict. And those stories were starting to leak already and he it only it made him more of an erratic. Right a drug addict. And so he, I don't
1: even think there was an NA back then, which is like a narcotics anonymous or whatever. There was an AA, but it wasn't, and it wasn't certainly as pervasive as it was, but I don't think, I don't know when like marijuana and I mean, they they probably didn't know what the hell to do. It was even pre Betty Ford, I think.
0: Yes, exactly. And, and, uh, I mean, you look at, at Whitney Houston and, and Michael Jackson, you realize that these megastars can insulate themselves in their addiction that they, you know, they can enable everyone around them to support the addiction. And Elvis had that power. Uh, if you, if you know, if you split from the group and said, I'm splitting because you're an addict, Elvis would just go, I'll replace the two of you and you're cut off. And anyway, so, so, um, Albert Goldman wrote this book, Elvis's last 24 hours. And it really, it's, it has everything in it that from everything we've talked about. Right. And sort of touches on it, and you realize that in the twenty-four hours, it sort of touches on everything that's going on in Elvis's life. The book is coming out, and he was distraught over that. He was scheduled to leave for a big tour, and he was horribly overweight, and they couldn't get him uh, the in outfits
1: or something. Yeah, and
0: they couldn't get him balanced. They couldn't get him like, when are you going to be up? You know, when are we getting to the plane? Right. And um, but he 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 uh, he was in, he had. Proposed to this twenty-one-year-old girl named Ginger. Oh, really? Yeah, they and, and so for he starts the clock. Albert Goldman starts the clock at that moment when Elvis is talking to Ginger about their wedding plans. Okay. And um, weird. I know, but it's just you can see this hulking, big forty-plus-year-old superstar. Yeah. That's just sweating. You know these drugs and this. This little princess, this little Tennessee beauty queen going, well i 'm going to marry Elvis Presley."
1: <laughs> oh, oh God, <laughs> I know
0: and, yeah, and
1: um that is fascinating. I
0: know it's just that image,
1: and that's where the guy starts the book
0: that's where he starts the book, I believe and and then um, so so Elvis gets up he has he's, he has installed a racquetball ball court at Graceland because he was into racquetball and he's always been an athletic guy. Mm-hmm. But as the addiction took over, it warped those athletic
1: right, he couldn't really actually be as athletic as right. he was a big guy and it was hard.
0: Yeah. And, and racquetball, you can be very lazy and play racquetball, just pap, you know, tap it <laughs> around. And so he was playing racquetball. But it's you know pretty amazing that he played racquetball the day he died. Right. Anyway, but after racquetball he contacted his dentist and doctor and got a new packet. And, um, they had, yes. Okay. Okay. And they had the guys who gave Elvis his drugs. This is, I love this shit. They actually called them. They, um, I'm blanking. I think it's, they called them flights and flight number one had this kind of drugs in it. And then you'd wait and an hour later, another flight would come in and they were in charge of giving Elvis these different waves of drugs that he required
1: and they referred to the weight like it's like flight number one is due at right. 10 a.m. Yes. flight number two is due at 1 p.m.
0: right and they I and I believe flight I'm using the wrong word but it was like that they had these different um, packets right and and very similar to what happened to Whitney Houston Elvis complained that he could not get to sleep this is after the day went by okay and so he had an additional flight and he and he's there in bed with Ginger. He's, of course, he's uh, impotent, and he's, uh, but he gets up in the middle of the night, or early, yeah, middle of the night, and he goes into the bathroom, and one of the side effects of long-term downers and uppers is complete incontinence. uh oh, complete, really? not, in con- not incontinence, but the opposite. constipation. He's oh, okay. He's completely unable to, and it's a constant problem from him. He's, um, it's painful for him, and, and this is in the, it's all in the book. It's just so fucking great.
1: Right, right. That, the book is amazing. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'll put the link to the book.
0: And um, That's crazy. So he goes into the bathroom, and he is straining on the bathroom. Right. And he, his blood pressure drops because of, of what he's doing. And he falls forward, and his head goes down, and yeah. he suffocates to death.
1: Wait, in his own chest?
0: On his own chest. In his own. He goes forward and tumbles forward off. He passes out pitches forward in his...
1: Okay, that is possibly the worst way to die yes. ever. Yes, yes. Holy crap. But, you know, because I've heard, obviously, a thousand comics make jokes about, yay, dad on the toilet. And I was like, what do you mean? I mean, did he just have a heart attack at the toilet is what I thought. But nope. nope he, he passed out. and then To, to use the toilet. Yes. Passed out because of too many upstands and, and in-the-middle drugs. And then mm-hmm. uh, suffocated in his own chest fat.
0: Yes. And then Fantastic. Elvis, I mean, Ginger wakes up uh, about, an, I think, probably 45 minutes later, goes in, rolls him over, and because his chest had been compressed, when he rolls over, there's a big <sighs> yeah. inhalation, and she thinks he's still alive. Right, but and just s- passed out. Right, and so she calls down, and there's and they call the ambulance to, to revive him, and then on the way to the hospital, they realize this guy's been dead for an hour, for God's sake. Holy crap. So, um,
1: oh, my God.
0: Yeah, and so yeah. it's a very gruesome...
1: So did he die before his buddy's books came out?
0: Yes. So yeah. when they came out, huge success. Well, yeah. It was called uh, Elvis. Uh, the un- ah, it wasn't the Untold Story, but but
1: it's like and, and it was Sunny and Sunny Red and Red. I'll look that up. Sunny
0: and Red. See, I, it's been a while since I was into this, so a lot of the names and well, just the de- I
1: mean the fact that <laughs> you're like I don't have all the details. I have a great number of them though. <laughs> Because it was fascinating. That's insane.
0: I know, but it's... Because I
1: used to love Elvis. I mean, who and yet, doesn't? Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's hard not to... Cause, and, but I know that I never did... Um, yeah, I, I, I remember, like, I liked young Elvis. I liked... And I never understood the stamp business. Why would you want old Elvis on the stamp? <laughs> Why would that have been a thing? Because that was just sad, Elvis. What, um... It's, uh, it's wow, beautiful. so what do you have any idea what like is Priscilla still alive
0: oh yeah Priscilla's was in the naked gun movies,
1: oh was she yeah
0: she was this the female lead in the naked gun movies and okay and uh she had and she was a beautiful woman she she stayed Actress, a beautiful right? whole life, yeah. and then uh in the last years it's been you know she's had some odd appearances and um
1: but she's in her seventies now right or something
0: could could be late sixties and yeah. and and it's and is not, you know, it's not fun to, to look at anymore. It's just, it's a tragic...
1: When do you get to give up, though? Yeah. When do you get to not
0: be fun to look at and go, well,
1: screw you, I'm 70. And uh, it turns out uh, somebody did tell me it was somewhere in your 70s. Mm. Now we have to be sexy well into our 70s. Oh, okay. Seems like a lot of work. Anyway, um, what about Lisa Marie? She was married to Nicolas Cage. We know that.
0: I think she's. It sounds like she's kept a pretty low profile. Like she's had enough after the Michael Jackson debacle. Oh, that's right, she
1: married him, didn't she? I,
0: that, I think she. No, she didn't have a baby with him. But um, no, no. Uh, Somebody
1: else did. Didn't he hire that out? <laughs> he
0: hired, yes. Yeah. Yes, he's with his housekeeper.
1: Uh, yeah, there was uh, a lady that he hired, and they they got married and had children too, right?
0: Yes. Okay. But there's one – but, yeah, the the young Elvis and what he turned into, I'm fascinated by that drama. Like, there's a picture that was taken of him while – when he – at the end of the Louisiana Hayawatt ride. When he was going to Shreveport. And uh, it's a black and white picture. And he's opening the front door of the car he drove because he loved cars. He loved driving. He – and he's putting his shoes on. He had been driving without shoes. And it's this young Elvis and – and he's putting on his shoes, and you can just see this look in his eye. That this, this is such an a candid moment to see this young performer who's tired from the drive, and he is putting on his shoes to go do his uh, show. And it's a beautiful picture. And, right. And to to see that and go to this. This incredible death of a dinosaur is just that. And
1: that's what fascinates you the decline.
0: The decline. Do you think it
1: could have been undone? Is that what you think about it? Well, that's one of the attractions.
0: Yeah. Is to go, is this possible to be undone? And, And what would I have said? In fact, there was a movie made about it called, um, about, it was a movie made about a guy who captures old Elvis. And holds him prisoner. <laughs>
1: to fix him up?
0: To fix him. And at the very end of the movie, Elvis, is, Elvis is, goes from, this is a fictional story, obviously. Oh, so Elvis goes from being furious at this guy to understanding this guy to returning to the old Elvis. And okay. it's, it, it's called, it was a fable of rock and roll. That's what the movie, and, I, and, and you know who plays Elvis is um, Kurt, Kurt Russell. Really, and does brilliantly at it too. And I can't remember the name of the movie,
1: but, but uh, I will link the heck out of that too, and you know, it'll work can, out. Yeah,
0: it's a that's a, it's an amazing little movie if you're an Elvis fan.
1: You know, and the, right because if you're if you're a fan, you want to go back. When I was a child, I used to have a time machine in the basement, and every Easter I'd go back and try to save Jesus because <laughs> I was a good kid, and I <laughs> and I kept trying to convince the Romans, "You're going to regret this." <laughs> and uh, turns out. They never listened. One time I brought Tarzan with me, just for muscle. Anyway, but the, uh, the, okay, so that's the Elvis story. That's the Elvis fascination.
0: That's E, yeah. And
1: then you also know about uh, the first Beatle? One of the the Beatles. The
0: original drummer for the Beatles, which is Pete Best.
1: Again, Pete Best, who I've heard of, but Mm -hmm. I don't, music
0: is not my life. Another sort of tragic story. I'm attracted to these tragic stories. Right. um, Did
1: Pete Best go with him to Germany? Was he was he in the Germany people band?
0: Yes, he was the one. He was. In fact, that's. uh, I mean, there's a there's a longer story. The Beatles, when they first formed, Paul McCartney, George uh, George Harrison, John Lennon, when they were 15 years old. Okay. They did their first gig together, the Silver Beatles, at Pete Best's mom's house. Okay. which, Which. Pete Best's mom does not get the credit. Her name was Mo, Mo Best. <laughs> and an amazing great. woman, an yeah. amazing woman that when you look into this woman, you realize that she is so responsible for the Beatles and the whole advent of the Merseyside sound. And because what she did is she had a beautiful house that she got in a settlement of a divorce. Okay. And she, she said, The basement is going to be a coffee club for youngsters. Okay and she realized that she realized this when she went around Liverpool and realized that there's all these young people into music and there's no place to listen to it because they're all drinking establishments and old oh, okay. places and and it's old music and there's no place for this new music so she converted her whole basement into a a, a coffee club okay and invited bands to play okay and and
1: this uh, was for like essentially high school to yes. to like early 20s
0: right okay and so Pete Best uh and so th- the Silver Beatles came, and they were looking for a drummer, and Pete Best, who didn't have a lot of talent as a drummer, but had played drums. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, his, I think it was his older brother who played drums, and he had just picked it up, and the, the Silver Beatles said, do you want to play with us? Okay. And he said yes. I'm missing a lot of details here, but... That's, that's fine. But the Beatles got a gig in Germany, mm-hmm. and they came to Pete and goes, out of desperation, and said, Pete, will you come with us to Germany and be our drummer? And Pete said, You bet. And that started a two-year process where they would go over frequently, and Pete was the drummer, and there's a lot of pictures from that era with Stuart Sutcliffe. Who's uh, oh, Stuart Sutcliffe? Stuart Sutcliffe was also in the Beatles and was the original uh, bass player. So there was... I'm sorry about that.
1: No worries. Is that your phone? It is. Oh, there
0: you go. Just, uh, and so... Um, so Stuart Sutcliffe was, uh, was the original bassist. There was two guitars, drummer. There was a five-group five group band. There's yeah. mine. Okay.
1: Look at us. We,
0: we, I have a feeling we're on the same Twitter update or some sort <laughs> of similar...
1: Uh, either that or it's uh, it's the documentary for Crash all and right. Okay, so that.
0: Um, so... Uh,
1: Wait, so Pete Sutcliffe...
0: No, and Stuart Sutcliffe.
1: Stuart Sutcliffe and Pete Best. Right. So are they all in Germany?
0: They're all in Germany at the same time for the first tour. Oddly enough, Stuart falls in love with... Uh, and Stuart, by the way, if you look online, a remarkably attractive young man I just mean good looking kid. stunning yeah and really the kind of the star of the of the early Beatles because he first of all he didn't know how to play bass, okay so he was always in the corner with sunglasses just trying to play along, yeah, but that only added to his mystery, like who's sure. this guy
1: who's the guy who's
0: <laughs> so he falls in love with a photographer, and the photographer is the one who's responsible for those early snapshots of the Beatles that are just iconic and yeah. unbelievable.
1: I've even seen those. Yes. Okay.
0: And so the Beatles, and he and Stuart, the Beatles leave, Stuart stays in Germany, dies of a brain tumor. What? Yeah. Okay. At age 21 or 22. And the Beatles are, you know, but by that time, they realized they could make it as a four-member band, and, and so they go back over, do more tours, and uh, and they get better and better. In fact, John Lennon has been quoted as saying, if you really wanted to see the Beatles at their best, you should have been in Germany, when they were unknown.
1: Right. Well, I read that Outliers book, um, and, mm. they, and they quote, they say that you need to do something for 10,000 hours to be really, really good, and then they quote the time that... Um, uh, I forget the author of about liars offhand but um it'll mm-hmm. be in the notes and you all know it because uh, he did tipping point mm. and he did he's just he's a uh, sociologist and um and and some people say a hack I don't know anything about it but it seems a little brutal but the uh, the outlier well, it's never fascinated. a
0: peaceful story here in the forest
1: <laughs> thats there's he,
0: always dissent
1: it, there seems to be a little too much dissent in that in that comment but the 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 10,000-hour thing, supposedly the Beatles played for, mm-hmm. they had to pay, play something like eight hours a day. Yeah, they did, yeah. And so that's where they learned how to really do their craft. hmm And that was pre-Ringo? That was all pre-Ringo? Yes, pre-Ringo.
0: and, and Ringo in,
1: wasn't in Germany with them?
0: No. Well, this is the odd point, is that Ringo was in Germany periodically with another group. Okay. Uh, Rory Storm group, I think that's correct. And he was a drummer, and to...
1: So he was doing the same thing, but with another band. Right. Okay. And
0: and, and occasionally, if there was some conflict of schedule, would sit in with the okay. Beatles. So they were very good friends. They were okay. all from Liverpool. They were all in the band. They were all in Germany together. Right. And um, so... But oddly enough, when the Beatles came back from Germany the first time, they were billed as a group from Germany, and people flocked to see them.
1: Oh, right. In okay. fact,
0: Mo Best... Pete Best's mom was the one who went straight from Germany, the Beatles. Okay. Because they thought if it was a Liverpool band, no one would come to see them. Right. But uh, when they came back and they played, again, at Mo Best's basement, and there's a caveat to this whole story I'll try to get to, but um, that uh, the, the line was around the block. Because, okay. and And that's where the Beatles, it was at this coffee club called the Cosbah Coffee Club that the Beatles really formulated, and then they moved to the Cavern, and they got hugely popular at the Cavern. Okay. And then over a period of two years, they became very popular. They got a record contract. They got their manager, Brian Epstein, and they actually recorded a few demos. The demos got accepted, and then Pete Best got kicked out of the band. On, uh, oddly enough, August 16th, I believe. What? Uh, yeah, parallel. The same
1: the same month.
0: It, it, it may be uh, a little bit different, but... Um, right. Got kicked out, and Ringo was brought in. And it's been one of the asterisks in Beatles history about why they dumped Pete Best, because he was very popular, very good-looking... Right. Uh, charismatic guy, and, uh, and, they, and, and they thought it was one of the biggest sort of rip-offs to a guy, and... And and Pete Best after that tried to go back into other groups never did wound up working a public sector job okay tried to commit suicide later in his life yep uh, but finally got married uh, and he's been with the woman f- forever and now this and finally when the Beatles anthology came out mm-hmm. they they printed I believe it was Love Me Do with him on drums yeah and for the first time he was he was labeled as a Beatle and he received. A royalty check as a Beatle. Okay. And so and since then he's gotten a sort of following, so that now he goes on tours and um, he's, you know, has a small following of people, and he still yeah. plays. And uh, he's he's in a good spot in his life. Okay. Here's the he's personal. Still he, yes, okay. He's still alive. Yes, and he's still alive. here's the personal part. I w- was doing shows in the UK last year, right. Including a weekend in Liverpool. Okay. Big deal for me because I'm a Beatles fan. Right. And uh so I saw that the Cosma Coffee Club offers tours, but you have to call and make reservations. It's not an open tour. So okay. I call, and I say, is it possible to come in and do a tour? And he says, sure, meet me there, blah, blah, blah. So I go to the address, and I can't find it because it's in this neighborhood. And I'm like, I think I got to the wrong place. So I call the guy again, mm-hmm. and he goes, oh, it's right at a gate with these uh orange uh trash cans. I'm staying right next to it. Yeah. And it's just this house in the middle of the street.
1: Right, <laughs> you're like you're right in front yes. of it. It's not that fancy.
0: So I go in and on the side of the building it says it's a plaque from the UK government of I think it's a level 1. They have different levels of of um of national monuments. Oh, right. And it's a level 1 national monument which is similar to Buckingham Palace. It's okay. a level one. Oh,
1: it's that's it's and it the says, top. Essentially. Yes, and
0: it says birthplace of the Beatles. And it's just this house. You're going, <laughs> I'm sitting. <laughs> so the guy comes in, he goes, Oh, I'll give you a tour of the place. And it's just this uh, uh, guy who's about my age. Right. And as he starts the tour, I realize this is Pete Best's younger brother. He's giving the tour. Oh. And his family still owns the house. Right. And his older brother, who's older than Pete, is also giving tours. And I'm walking you around get to meet the best. I met the best family. <laughs> and they're giving me a tour of the birthplace of the Beatles. Wow. And so you walk in and the the, the real the great part is that there's this famous picture of a fifteen year old Paul McCartney playing at the Cosbah and they have it in poster form and you look over and it's the same. Place that the photo was taken. Oh wow! There's no difference, In right? Fact, and then um, John Lennon's girlfriend at the time is sitting on a bench. Same bench is sitting there. And and, and for me, it's <laughs>
1: like Shreveport. Yes, uh, they've
0: kept it. <laughs> they've kept all the same thing. And that's the only time, by the way, you'll ever see Shreveport and Liverpool linked.
1: Exactly. They are not sister cities, no, normally. Not. Anyway. <laughs> so,
0: uh, that was a huge thrill for me, and I didn't know if I was able to communicate it to him properly because I was babbling and. Uh, <laughs> right? You were so excited about it. Yeah, I was. But
1: it's, but that's exciting. It
0: was. It was, uh, for me. But,
1: it, and it's kind of a happy ending story for Pete Best and the fact that Yes, it is. Yeah. Did they ever, did Pete Best, what's Pete Best's story of why he got kicked out of the Beatles?
0: well he's he's a guy, I mean, they asked him that all the time, yeah, and i I think his response is, "I don't know right he He doesn't really know, and there's some speculation that george martin Sir George Martin, who was the producer, felt that he was a weak drummer, and there's also speculation that the Beatles had uh long suspected that he wasn't really fitting in with the rest of the Beatles. And um, they loved Ringo. They, okay. I mean, you can imagine, like, if you're hanging around and there's that one guy that's, like, you click with. Yeah. And it's like, God, we wish he was in the band. Yeah. And so they just... So
1: maybe they just did that.
0: I think in, you know... Yeah. Whether it was a right or wrong thing to do is immaterial because the, the Beatles are right. Ringo and, and everybody. But um,
1: But at least it, it, at least he had some recognition yes. and, he, and he has some... Is now, did his mother pass away? Is his mother yes. still with us?
0: No. But, but okay. only, only recently she passed away. Okay, so and, she got
1: to see some of that? Yes. That's and, great, too.
0: Yes. And, and, and That's I, awesome. And Paul McCartney has made a really generous comment about Mo, Mo Best, saying that she was instrumental in the formation of the Beatles and was really responsible for a lot of what happened. And, and she deserves that, because if you read about her, you realize for a woman in the late 50s to do what she did is unprecedented. Yeah, I mean it's just really it just bizarre. Just came out of
1: left field, yeah. sort of like, what do you want to do?
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, she's sitting at the table and she's taking tickets to go in from these <laughs> lines of fifteen-year-old punk Liverpool kids, and it's just a beautiful.
1: She's like, "I like stuff. kids. Yes. Come on in. Yes. Play some loud. Have some music. coffee. Have some coffee. And-
0: Start a revolution.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome.
0: Yeah. So, All right.
1: So. And who's the third? Uh,
0: was this isn't as uh, so I. Uh, well, uh, the third is Anna Frank, who is Anne Frank. I say Anna Frank because as you research her, you realize that's what she was called. That's what her Oh, that Oh, that's how was. it was pronounced? That's what it would be like
1: saying Jackie Cashian yeah. a thousand times, and then you're like, I actually knew Jackie Cashian, and she pronounced it <laughs> Cashian. And that's what I like to do is I like to compare myself to Anne Frank. I don't know if you know about my sufferings. Uh, <laughs> so Anna Frank.
0: But the reason I got into the Anne Frank stories is a classically suburban white story of of why of, of of really a disturbing aspect of what's going on with of with white America, and that is that uh, I grew up in Texas and Georgia, and then I moved to Oregon and my later my high school years and graduated, and I had never read the diary, I never read the diary of Anne Frank, so okay. I got the book tape,
1: okay, the book on tape, right, okay, and it
0: was read by a brilliant actress. Who and I became absolutely engrossed in, in the diary. She did such a good job reading it.
1: Do you remember the name of the actress?
0: I do not remember. Okay,
1: but it was it's it's a it's an audio version yes, of the Anne Frank.
0: Yes, and, um, and, it's not. and and oh my it's probably audible. I can try. It could be. It was it was recorded books incorporated. That was the version of the of the, okay. of the recording. And, and when
1: did you when did you end up listening to this? In the late
0: nineties? Okay. And I was driving back and forth to San Francisco. I was doing the San Francisco comedy competition, right. so I was listening to these long stretches, and, um, and 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 the diary for a thirteen and fourteen year old girl is is a, a miraculously interesting, and, and it's just it's so inspiring because you're listening to this. Here I am, an adult, full grown male, white right. male who's grown up in America. Here's this thirteen, fourteen year old girl who is enthralling me with her story. Right. And not just the fact that she is talking about what's going on while they're in hiding and the Nazis are persecuting them, but because she's giving this incredible portrait of a girl growing up.
1: Yeah. And
0: everyone's relating to it. You are, your heart is just so into it. Right. So, I am completely obsessed. I'm just looking forward to listening to this because she's, she's talking about so much and uh, it's filling my life with it. And this is how Stupid I am! How
1: completely
0: <laughs> <What>? <laughs> stupid is it? I did not know up to that point that she had died. That, well, that I didn't thought d-
1: that she dies at the end. Right.
0: That I thought she had escaped the war and that had the diary had become famous. Like
1: it was the the, the, the right. The summer of my German soldier.
0: Right. So at the, okay. this whole time through it, you I'm sitting that. going, "What's happened to Anne Frank? What's
1: whatever happened you, to
0: her? Well, yeah, where where did she wind up?" Well, what she wound up was they were found in hiding and she was taken to a concentration camp and she died a skeleton of a disease.
1: Holy crap.
0: And when I learned that in the afterwards, the effect on me was so dramatic that I realized that this is what I have been missing about the Holocaust, that it is an unbelievable tragedy. It sank on me so heavily that I had been so involved in this woman's life, listening right. to this woman, and, and loving her. Right. And then to know that she died so tragically and so miserably, this brilliant genius.
1: Right. She was obviously a genius.
0: Just, and so... I mean, to have
1: so much potential at 13. So
0: much goodness in yeah. this woman, in this girl.
1: Oh, Jesus, God, I'm crying. All
0: right, and, so, and that yeah. was the effect on me, is that yeah. I, it, it, it... It destroyed me and I realized that thank God I had that experience. And so it was a two-sided story. It was sort of like, how dare I go through life and not know that Anne <laughs> Frank died right. the way she did. Right. And at the same time, thank God this experience happened to me because I recognized what the tragedy of the Nazi Germany and the Holocaust was is right. because it affected me so deeply. So um, for that reason, after that experience, I just I realized I need to know more about her. I need to know everything there is about her. Right. And um, so the upshot is that uh, in August, I'm doing a comedy club in Amsterdam. Okay. And I get to go see the hiding place. I get to see where she oh, lived house. and wrote the diary. Right, right. And it's going to be a big deal for me. It is a big so, deal. So um, I'm. Doesn't I'm excited that, about that.
1: Right, right. I think there's also...
0: And I'm sorry to end <laughs> this with tears. We're both very close to being emotional. Right, right. right. It but, is...
1: But I'll tell you the... Um, well, other things in Amsterdam that you could do. Okay. There's uh, there's a... You we may want to
0: investigate the pot. That'll yeah. even the experience. Right.
1: Out. There is some marijuana. There's also, I believe... Uh, Is it Van Gogh or is it uh, the Dutch Masters? I think the Dutch Masters. There's a lot of great paintings to be seen in Amsterdam. There's a lot (laughs) of really amazing art.
0: I suggest the Fat Elvis Dwayne. You'll really enjoy that.
1: (laughs) On Velvet is available uh, down there by the river. And, uh, yeah, so there's at least three books there that are amazing that people, that that I will, that are on audio, uh, that that people can rent. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it's... It's this has been an amazing week watching you perform, and,
0: and likewise,
1: and and it's 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 a trip because what we did was Tuesday we couldn't do it was it had to be brand new material, mm-hmm. and then we've been working on it for what is it five shows now right
0: well, we have two more tonight well what it is what I've learned is that I'm sure you know is that you have a you have a standard about where you want your show to be and when yeah. you do new material there's no guarantee it will reach that standard.
1: Right. That's it, that's it exactly. And Both of my shows last night, I was not pleased. Really?
0: My top yeah. Top? Oh, I,
1: they were fine. They were fine. Uh, I'm sure the audience left and were like, oh, that was something. Uh, but uh, it was not anywhere near. You know, I emceed the first show and because we've been switching emceeing. And and it's hard because the rule with emceeing is that you can do some older material. Right. And so I opened with older material, and then I closed with the new material. And the new material, turns out, is not as good as the older material. <laughs> And I had been doing so much new material that I flubbed up a couple of lines in the stuff that I had been doing. So it was really, it was crazy. And then second show, it was second show Friday. And second show Friday is much like second show any day. People are tired. People are half of the bag. Uh, People are
0: jetty. They're quiet. They don't know why they are there. They're feeling like this is not the comedy I wanted. I wanted (laughs) Jeff Dunham. I wanted... Right. something more entertaining than I
1: was I was told that there would be uh, shouting and jumping up and down and wiggly and possibly <laughs> some uh, no nobody told me that people we were going to all be delving into incredible like philosophical <laughs> cuz I think that's where we've all gone because you had to do something and you're like well I don't I only have like the the, the one bit that I have that whole nostalgia film bit that I'm <laughs> working on that I genuinely think is pandering and ridiculous. But I think I've come with, like, two lines. I've decided tonight that I'm going to only do the ten minutes that I think have potential, and then I'm going to do a brand new other ten minutes tonight. Oh, that's, yeah. In an effort um, to really leave on some disappointment. And
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, yeah, I think that the everyone's... Tim Slagle and, and, and you and I and uh, Bent Washburn have done. And Bent, by the way, appears to be a savant. I don't know where he gets it from, but he's just able to just process this stuff and appear to make it look hard, but you know he's not even trying. It's just, it just
1: I, you know what? Uh, I would say the same of you, because quite honestly, it's uh, you've destroyed like at least, I would say two and a half times out of the five shows, I think you've had the set of the night. So, but it's, I mean, it's you said it you said that it's it's different watching like professionals someone who's been doing mm-hmm. it for a million years go up and do 20 new minutes mm-hmm. and try to make something of it but it it is i guess what you were going to say something. You were
0: going to I mean, I think yeah. when when it, when the benefit's going to come 2 weeks 3 weeks from here where you're at a club and finally the 20 minutes becomes the 7 minutes that are really yeah. good and i think you have to trust that 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 you're gonna, I just know we'll say, I'll go to another club that's not as forgiving as Acme and do the, here's the bit that was killing, and it's just like stares and, okay, <laughs> what was that weekend for?
1: But the, there, I think there's definitely, I think I've come out of this with probably seven minutes. Yeah, I think you're I right.
0: Distill it down in a year, and it'll be like the a real good seven minutes, which is... Seven minutes more than I've written in the last ten years.
1: No. So no, but, but all great. It's uh it's been amazing. It's um so it's dwiteslade.com. Correct. It's at Dwight Slide for Twitter. hmm And um and people should go out and get obsessed with very much individuals. You mm-hmm. like to follow sort of down a rabbit hole one it's, individual. It's
0: very true. I, I go I go deep, something gets me on a hook and I go.
1: someone it'll, it'll grab you.
0: That's <laughs> and,
1: and what is the name of the guy who wrote all of the tell-alls? The, uh, Goldman?
0: Albert Goldman.
1: All right. Uh, I actually want to now read many of his books mm-hmm. because I bet you they're ridiculous.
0: Ladies know. and gentlemen, uh, Lenny Bruce is what he wrote after Lenny Bruce died. And it's, it's, pretty, it's one of the best books about stand-up comedy that's ever been written. He really gets it.
1: So. Okay. That's awesome. Thanks for tuning in, Rangers. Have a good one. Bye.
0: My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs>